What's up, y'all? We are back with another edition of the DNVR Rams podcast. As always, I'm your host, Justin Michael. Hope everybody has had a good weekend. It is late night, and unsurprisingly, I'm stressing over this preseason media ballot. You know, like I said the other day, it's really important to me that I get it right, so I'm just trying to do all the homework that I can, trying to do all the preseason reading, podcast listening, you name it. And if you're going to buy a national preview, I still would definitely recommend Phil Steele. Bought a couple of different magazines, not going to trash any of them by name, but Phil Steele is by far the most prepared, most accurate. It's just going to be the best bang for your buck, I would say. Anyways, I'm doing all this preseason research, and a lot of it I probably won't end up using for content in the end, but I did have the realization that I could do just kind of a general Mountain West season preview and kind of go team by team, dive into the schedule a little bit, talk about some of the key additions, key departures, all that fun stuff. Basically, just give everybody a baseline of info for every team going into the season. We're not going to focus on CSU. This is going to be about the rest of the league, only because I'm going to preview CSU in depth every single position. We'll basically talk about every player at some point. But yeah. Before we get started, you can follow me on threads at Justin T. Michael. I'm not leaving Twitter. Twitter has always been my site, so I'll be there until the bitter end or until it makes a triumphant, you know, recovery. But I really don't want to throw away 10 years of building that audience. And honestly, threads has a lot of room to grow before it's a functional site. Right now, it's a lot like Instagram, which makes sense given that it's a meta product. But I don't want to see a bunch of crap from accounts I don't follow. It's probably because they make less advertising money, but it just drives me insane that none of these sites understand all we want to be able to do is curate our own timeline and dictate what we see. I want to follow the post from the people that I'm following. Is that that confusing of a concept? I mean, every day, it just seems like everything gets more annoying when it comes to the functionality of social media trying to keep up with all the shows on streaming services and now sports. I know we're inching into old man territory here, but God, life is just annoying these days. Anyways, let's let's just jump right into this before I go full boomy on you guys. Let's start with Boise State. I think that makes sense. They are the front runner going in by far. There have been some years in the past where they've been tabbed the preseason favorite and I've rolled my eyes, including last year where I did not really buy them going into the year with Hank Bachmeyer. They struggled out of the gate, eventually changed offensive coordinators, switched over to Taylor Green at QB. That change resulted in them scoring 10 points more per game and going for about 150 more yards of offense, so it really sparked them. And going into this 2023 season, they're trying to keep that momentum rolling. They returned 14 starters between both sides of the ball, nine on offense, five on defense. I think their offense should take a step forward. I think their defense should probably take a small step back. Avalos is a defensive-minded coach. They always have great athletes, so it's not like I expect them to completely fall off the map defensively, but they did lose four of their five leading tacklers from a season ago. Linebacker DJ Schramm, who actually led the squad in tackles, he's back. But safety J.L. Skinner no longer in the picture. He's a guy I really love. Actually, now on the Denver Broncos, as a lot of you guys probably know, uh, defensive lineman Scott Matlock, he has moved on. He's with the Chargers, linebacker Ezekiel Noah. Those are pretty key, significant fixtures of that defense over the last couple of seasons. And that trio of Matlock, Skinner, 
and Noah combined for about 160 tackles this past season, so that's a lot of production to make up for as well. They lost their number one corner from a season ago, Caleb Briggers. He had 39 tackles, four PBUs, and a pick. So it's definitely going to be a different look than what we saw last year. Boise's defense this past season was really stifling, only allowed 293 yards a game, only allowed 19.5 points a game as well, and the season before they only allowed 19. So this has been one of the better defenses in the conference for a couple of years, and it's going to be really interesting to see how they're able to adjust. It's likely going to determine whether they actually win the conference or not. The thing you feel confident if you're a Broncos fan is that you do have those nine starters coming back on offense. You've got quarterback Taylor Greenback, who really played good football down the stretch. He's a big kid, 6'6", 220, really athletic, can run around a little bit. And when they first threw him in there, there were times where I felt like he was kind of using that as a crutch. Now he's hanging in the pocket better. He's progressing through his reads. He's got a good arm. He's accurate. And the thing I think that's really going to benefit him is, one, he's playing behind what's going to be one of the better offensive lines in the entire conference. Their left tackle bears forward probably the best O-line prospect going into the season. Um, ben Dooley at guard is a stud as well. The second thing, though, is just the continuity within that unit. You've got George Halani back, probably the best running back in the conference, at least the most accomplished over the past couple of years. Ashton Gianti, who's kind of up and coming, is really good as well. He's back between those two, Halani and Gianti. They combined for close to 2,000 rushing yards this past season. That's a huge advantage for a young quarterback to be able to lean on that ground game. And that's what Avalos wants to do inherently anyways, is lean on the ground game. I think I saw a stat that in his tenure, when they go for like a 145 plus, they're 14 and one. Can't remember the exact figure, but it was basically if they go for 150 yards on the ground, they're 14 and one. This is not the Boise State of 2011 where they're throwing it 50 plus times a game with Kellen Moore. They want to lean on that ground game. They want to play good defense. Having said that, though, as I've already alluded to, assuming that the defense does take a little step back, I'll be curious to see if Green is able to elevate them in some of these tight games. They play a really tough schedule. Honestly, from CSU's perspective, you kind of like how the schedule plays out. They play the first seven weeks of the season. CSU is that seventh game. They open at Washington, who I think is going to be a playoff-type team with Penix back at QB. They've got insane talent on defense and at receiver. Then UCF comes to town. They're going to be solid. They go to San Diego State week four. They have to play at Memphis. And week six is kind of a deceptively tough game against San Jose State, who brings back Chevin Cordero, in my opinion, the best quarterback in the conference coming into the year. There's a pretty good chance by the time the Broncos roll into Fort Collins, they'll have been through some battles. They might be dinged up a little bit. You never know. But assuming the defense is competent, again, I don't think they're going to fall off a cliff or anything. I don't think they're going to be quite the dominant unit we've seen these past couple of years. For Boise, I really think it all comes down to Taylor Green's progression and if this offense is kind of able to take it to the next level, he's got all his leading receivers back. They also added CU transfer Chase Penry, guy I thought might consider CSU local kid. Finally, though, we're not going to really spend a ton of time on specialists. They do have one of the better kickers. There's actually a couple of really good kickers in the Mountain West. Uh, Jonah Dalmas, he's 33 of 36 on field goals over the past two seasons, 68 of 70 on PAT attempts. He's really solid and definitely an advantage to have in a year where you're hoping to contend. I think that the pressure's on for this Boise State team. I think that the fans have really high expectations. Avalos kind of underwhelmed initially, and he's responded well. Don't get me wrong. I do think he's a good coach. Some of his shtick kind of 
rubs me the wrong way. But yeah, I would say that the fans are going into this season with Mountain West Championship or bust type mentality. We'll see if they can live up to it. All right, moving on, we'll talk about the Wyoming Cowboys. They are led by Andrew Peasley at quarterback, former Utah State Aggie who transferred over there last season. And Pokes fans are hoping to get a lot more out of him this year, I would say. He only completed 52% of his passes this past year. I actually felt like the Rams would have been better off had he stayed in that game. He got injured in the border war. The backup came in, and he was able to do some stuff offensively. Peasley couldn't do anything against CSU. But he is a dual-threat guy. He can run around, improvise at times, make some plays with his legs. Obviously, a Craig Bull team always going to be focused on running the football. They do have McNeely back at running back. He took over that starting role once Titus Swen left the team or was dismissed from the team. I'm not exactly what happened this past season, but McNeely is a guy that's definitely shown promise, speedster. Uh, They also added uh, Whaley, Harrison Whaley, transfer running back, who had been a pretty productive player for Northern Illinois these past couple years, actually went for 100-plus yards against the Cowboys this past season. So I think you feel pretty good about the state of the running back room. If you're Wyoming going into the year, uh, you've got Frank Crum back at left tackle, one of the better O-linemen in the league, assuming he's going to be a first-team preseason All-Mountain West selection. The big question with this Wyoming offense, as it pretty much always is, is what type of production are you going to be able to get through the air? What does the passing offense look like? For the second straight year, they lose their leading receiver to the transfer portal, it's going to be hard to keep receivers in Laramie for a variety of reasons, lack of NIL, living in Wyoming, and just the fact that inherently the style that they play is not conducive to receiver success. I think it's a little bit easier to sell some of these skill guys on playing in the air raid, being able to make big explosive plays out wide than, hey, you're going to block 85% of the time. But that's the unique spot that they're in. As I said, leading receiver from a year ago, Josh Cobbs, no longer in the picture. Their wide receiver with the most production has six career catches. They do bring back Trayton Welch at tight end, as well as Parker Christensen, who's like a hybrid fullback slash tight end. But this is a really hard unit to project because of all the uncertainty. You know that they're going to be tough. They're going to be well coached under Craig Bull. It's just, are they going to be able to produce enough points to keep up with teams like CSU and Boise State, Fresno, San Diego State? And I don't know, because defensively, they should be really solid. They bring back 10 starters. They've got Devon Harris at defensive end. He is an absolute stud, a guy that really produced and can get after the quarterback. They're really stout on the interior with Colt Godbout and Jordan Burdagnoll. They have, in my opinion, the best linebacker in the conference in East End Gibbs. He just kind of continues with that trend that started a couple years ago. Had Logan Wilson, who's obviously a stud for the Bengals now, and then Chad Muma, Colorado kid, who's now with the Jags. East End Gibbs is going to be that next NFL linebacker. He's coming off of a season in which he recorded 131 tackles. All the dude does is produce. He's a tackling machine. Really, if there's anything this Wyoming defense does well this year, it should be tackle. They bring back nine of their 10 leading tacklers from a year ago. So unless this offense is just a complete disaster and leaves them out to dry, which is certainly possible, I fully expect the Pokes to be a top two or three defense in the Mountain West. But they do play a really challenging schedule. They open at home against Texas Tech. That game's on national TV against CBS. Thought they might go with the Washington State game, but went with the Big 12 um, 
matchup. Can't really blame them, I guess. Uh, after that, Portland State. Then they go to Texas before hosting App State. They do play Boise State and Air Force on the road. Get the border war at home. They get Fresno State at home, too. So a lot of the conference games kind of play out in their favor. And much like CSU, their final two weeks will be against Nevada and Hawaii, but they get the Warriors at home and the Wolfpack on the road, which is just the opposite of CSU. All right, we're going to keep this preview rolling, talk about the Air Force Falcons, but when you get hurt, Bax and Shanker is here to help. Bax and Shanker wins for Colorado families. They have been helping those who are seriously injured in Colorado for more than 25 years. They're free until they win money in your case. No upfront fee to speak with you about your case. No fee while they work on your case. No fee unless they win your case and win money for you. Bax and Shanker has won over $1 billion for their clients, now with even more locations, serving all of Colorado, including neighborhood offices in Denver, Aurora, Inglewood, and Fort Collins. Bax and Shanker has the strength and power to win your case with more than 30 lawyers and 100 staff. Bax and Shanker helps with all kinds of injury cases when you weren't at fault, car accident, motorcycle, rideshare, pedestrians, trucks. They can even help if you're injured at work. Call Bax and Shanker at 222-2222 to find out if you have a case for free. Bax and Shanker wins. Also, Professional Rugby has returned to Rugby Town USA. Your hometown American Raptors have begun their six-match homestand against the six South American rugby teams that make up the brand-new Super Rugby Americas competition. Find the full schedule at AmericanRaptors.com. Even better, our guy Colton Strickler has you covered on all things rugby with the DNVR Rugby Podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Colton Strickler, and you can follow us at DNVR underscore rugby, learn rugby 101. You can get the best interviews with athletes and coaches, betting advice, you name it. Colton does it all. And if you didn't get the ticket you wanted as an elite athlete, check out the opportunities at Infinity Park. Rugby just may be your next ride. Finally, you guys know we love our Breckenridge beers over at DMVR, and it's because Breckenridge Brewery has a beer for any occasion. There's no better way to watch a game than having an ice-cold Breck brew in hand. And that's because Breck Brew's been doing it for 33 years. It all comes down to their love and passion for making good beer made with 100% renewable energy. you got to try that, and you've got to try some of my personal favorites. I'm a big avalanche ale guy, but in the summer, you can't go wrong with the Mountain Beach, the perfect amount of sweetness, tartness. It's the best sour on the market. And I'm telling you, you're not going to find more crushable beer this summer than Breck's Mountain Beach. It goes good by itself. If you want to be like a Stone Cold Steve Austin, smash them together and just go crazy, pour them all over your face. You want to be a little bit more laid back, just have a beer with the uh, the fellas, maybe have one with a burger. It's going to work for you as well. Shout out Breck Brew. Check out the Breck Beer Locator and find a Breck Brew near you. Cool, cool, cool. Moving on, talking about the Flyboys, the Falcons of Air Force. They return five starters on offense, eight on defense, but it's it's going to be really interesting. You're without Hazik Daniels, who's been your staple at quarterback the past couple of years, and Brad Roberts, who's really one of the more dynamic running backs they've ever had, led the country in rushing yards last year. He's no longer in the picture, so you've got to come up with how you're going to replace that nearly 1,800 yards of production he put on the field. The bright spot is, of course, you do have John Lee Eldridge Sr. returning. He also rushed for close to 800 yards this past season. But outside of him, it's a lot of new faces. They've got nearly 3,200 yards on the ground to make up for between the backs and Daniels. Their two most productive pass catchers on the roster combined for four career catches. Not shocking given their offense, but that's just a crazy stat to ever see. Their all-conference left tackle, Everett Smalley, was dismissed from the program in May, according to Phil Steele, so that's a that's a huge loss. 
They're also going to have to replace Isaac Cochran, who had been a multi-year starter at right guard. Very interested to see what this offensive line looks like, especially because you're not allowed to cut block anymore. I guess we'll see. I mean, I have faith in Calhoun at this point, but it would be a shame if you're a Falcons fan if this defense gets wasted. It's very similar to Wyoming. You have this really experienced, stout defense with everybody coming back, and you're just so unproven on offense. But you got safety, Trey Taylor back. He should be one of the preseason all-conference teams. Linebackers Jaden Mock and Alec Goodwin are both back. Those were two of your four leading tacklers from a year ago. But outside of Trey Taylor, the guys that really intrigue me on this defense are in the interior. You've got Zdroic back in the interior, Peyton Zdroic, coming off of a 30-tackle, five-and-a-half sack season. You also have Jaden Thiergood, who's a really athletic defensive lineman, a guy that I think is in for a big year. There's a lot to like about this Falcons defense, and as long as the offense is relatively competent, they should get off to a pretty hot start. I mean, their opening week or uh, opening month, I should say, not very tough. They've got Robert Morris at home. Then they go to Sam Houston. They've got Utah State at home at San Jose State. If you're the Falcons, you're hoping to go 3-1, and one, which then sets up a big home game against San Diego State before the bye. And then it's the biggest portion of your season. You've got Wyoming at home, at Navy, at CSU, Army, West Point, and Denver. Their toughest game on paper, probably the season finale. We've got a November 25th matchup at Boise State, which potentially you know, could have Mountain West Championship implications. But yeah, that's my thoughts on Air Force in the preseason. Should be really stout defensively. I think Troy Calhoun is one of the more underappreciated coaches in the country in terms of what he does can be a little prickly to interview at times. Also, every now and then could be like a really fun guy to interact with. It just kind of depends on what mood you get him in. But moving on to New Mexico, we've got a program who assumingly has a coach on the hot seat, Danny Gonzalez. I've been rooting for him to succeed. I think he's really likable. Former Lobo star defensive player, a guy that wants to be there. Like that's the type of coach that you need. I think if you're New Mexico, if he can't succeed there, I don't know who can. They're coming off of five straight seasons where they've won no more than three games, two and 10 this past year. And while you would feel pretty good about the defense coming into the year, that's even kind of a question mark at this point. Now that Rocky Long has dipped, he moved on to Syracuse. I guess if you're a Lobo fan, you're just kind of thinking the heavens that Tavion Combs, a star hybrid safety slash nickel type backer he's all over the place he's stuck in town he's an all-conference type defensive player and then offensively you're hoping that you can just create something in the passing game they brought in dylan hopkins he transfers over from uab in terms of what they had last year versus what they have this year probably the most gained at the quarterback position would be unm He has a ton of experience, 25 career starts coming off of a season in which he completed 63% of his passes, threw for 4,000 yards, but we'll see how it translates. Uh, Luke Wysong is a versatile athlete. They have at receiver, smaller guy, kind of reminds me of Joe Hansley, not quite as polished as a receiver, but a guy that you can just get involved in the return game. He can make an impact on special teams. You might get him a carry on an end around or something like that every now and then. He led the Lobos in total catches this past season. He's back. And so is Aaron Rodriguez, arguably the best punter in the conference. I know that that's never a fun spot to be in. CSU fans understand that one pretty well. 
what it's like when the the game is so miserable that the only time you really feel good is, wow, look at how good our punter is. It's tough being a Lobo fan right now, and it's going to be a tough way to start the year. They open at Texas A&M. That could be real ugly, though uh, I imagine Ram fans will be rooting for UNM given who is on that Aggie staff. Then they play Tennessee Tech at home as well as New Mexico State before going to UMass. Interesting road game at UMass. Then they go to Wyoming, have a bye on the 7th, San Jose State, Hawaii at Nevada, UNLV at Boise State, at Fresno State before closing against Utah State. Fortunate they're not on CSU schedule, can't keep the streak going this year. Though I guess they can't end the streak either, so it's glass half full, glass half empty situation. Just depends on how you're looking at it. But that's pretty much all I have to say on UNM. I mean, I want to give every team their due, but I don't see a way in which this team is just going to be any good this year. I guess maybe if Hopkins just absolutely pops off, you know, maybe you're able to jump up to like four wins, something like that. Maybe that's enough to keep Gonzalez employed. We'll see, I guess. Uh, We're going to wrap up. The first part of this podcast is going to be a two-parter with Utah State, but take on the sun with gear that's built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered for the warm weather ahead with premium polarized shades at an affordable price. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair we've worn. They have durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. And that's not all. Shady Rays also offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every single pair is backed by lost and broken replacements. So if you lose or break your pair, even day one, they're going to send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. You can wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they're going to have your back long after you purchase. You can shop the entire collection at their brand new location in the Park Meadows Mall. Full stop shop for all things Shady Rays. And if you don't love your Shady Rays, exchange for a new pair or return them free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop. Their team always has your back. Exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays giving out the best deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com. Use that code DNVR for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. All right, wrapping up part one and basically concluding what used to be the Mountain Division. Obviously, no divisions this year in the new format. We'll get into the other half on part two coming up. But this Utah State team, I think one of the more challenging groups in the entire conference to forecast. They only return five starters on defense, four on offense. This is a team that under Blake Anderson has been very high variance with their results. A bit fluky at times, I would argue, even. But they do benefit by bringing back Cooper Legos at quarterback. He took over last year after Logan Bonner got injured. I think Bonner made the first four starts. Legos actually got injured in the CSU game. But they're really depending on him to step up this year. They no longer have Calvin Tyler, leading rusher from a year ago. Started his career at Oregon State. Came over to Utah State. It's a really solid back these past couple of seasons. They're also going to be without Justin McGriff and Brian Cobbs, two of their three leading receivers from this past season. They do bring back Terrell Vaughn, though. He's a stud. He had 624 receiving yards and five touchdowns a season ago. Flipping things over to the defensive side, I think you feel pretty good about the interior of your defensive line, especially if you're the Aggies. Hale Matu Abuaka is back at defensive tackle. They also had UCLA transfer defensive end, uh, Inoka Magao. And I apologize if I'm mispronouncing any of these Polynesian last names. I, I'm trying. 
As far as the uh, CSU fans' perspective goes, the player you're probably most interested in is weak side linebacker Max Alford, son of legendary CSU running back Tony Alford. He is projected to start as a sophomore, so definitely intriguing there. The Rams offered him out of high school. He was a Utah kid. He lived in Utah. Not surprising, he ended up at Utah State. But yeah, that's my thoughts on the roster as far as the schedule goes. Kind of wonky. They open at Iowa, then Idaho State comes to Logan at Air Force, home against James Madison, then at UConn, one of the most random non-conference schedules I've ever seen. But I think there's a pretty good chance the Aggies start two and three, maybe even one and four, which makes that week six matchup a must win against CSU for them. I think it's a must win for CSU too. That's really one of the more important games on the schedule. I think uh, that Utah State game, Middle Tennessee and UNLV are really important road games for determining how this year goes for the Rams. But we're going to keep this going. We're going to preview the other half of the conference on part two. Shout out to all you for continuing to support my content. Much love, y'all. We're going to keep it rolling. Probably never make it when well, you listening to that right now. I said we 